Jason DeRussia in for Chad Hartman on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's time for our weekly look at the world of politics with our friends at the Star Tribune editorial board, John Rash and Scott Gillespie with us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Nice to have you guys aboard this afternoon. Plenty to talk about, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Thank Thank you you for having us. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jason. Thank you. Uh, Let's start with the mask mandate that is widely expected and reported to be coming up in uh, just a couple minutes live on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, From a political calculation, Scott, I wonder how the governor can explain what changed this week that would provoke him to have a mask mandate that he didn't do two or three weeks ago when we saw many other states doing it? I think you cut to the most interesting question that might might be solved by uh, today's briefing when the governor, as expected, uh, will announce the uh, mask mandate. Uh, not much has changed. And I think the editorial board, uh, you know, I'll say on behalf of my colleagues, we've, we've been pushing for, for a statewide mandate for weeks now. Uh, 28 other states uh, went before us, six of them with Republican governors. I believe... Uh, Mike DeWine, the Republican governor in uh, Ohio, just just not maybe minutes ago. Uh, minutes ago, a, yes. Yeah, a mandate statewide. So I don't know really what's changed. Probably not much. Uh, so Nothing, I right? Governor, yeah, the governor didn't want to lead the parade, that's for sure. Well, and I think, John Rash, there's some uh, discussion of the fact that the governor perhaps wanted to wait for the special to be over. And I understand that where you don't want to turn into to turn into a political football, but you sort of undercut your argument that this is a a decision based in the public health if you were delaying it because of political considerations. Well, clearly, I think what was happening in St. Paul with the special session played a role in this. And one need only look at the failure of the bonding bill, which is a really significant miss by the legislature and it's strike two at the plate here for 2020 in terms of the economic input that that would have at a really crucial time in the state's history. And what reportedly has hung that up, among other issues, is resistance among House Republicans who are in the minority. But, of course, the supermajority is needed to pass this bill over the governor's executive authority. And so if that is overhanging the legislative session, the flexing of that exercise of that legislative authority with the statewide mask mandate may not have been ideal timing. And he was also helped in that scores of municipalities across Minnesota had acted to put their own mask mandate on. So you had the center cities, you had multiple suburbs, and increasingly greater Minnesota cities had decided to do it as well. But, you know, we all grew up in an era where Minnesota was almost invariably the leader, not the laggard, particularly on health issues. Think of the indoor smoking ban and so many others. And here they were really well behind the pack when Alabama moves uh, quicker to do this than the state of Minnesota. I think that's really an indication here. So a bit in a way. Yeah. Don't you maybe look at this and say, you know, maybe the right thing was happening. Uh, I don't know if some parts of rural Minnesota where you have very few cases and very few people, should they be under the same requirement 
as Minneapolis and St. Paul, which did act pretty uh, obviously they acted quite a long time ago compared to the state. But perhaps it makes more sense. I don't know if doing it city by city is the way, but you could see a case being made for it to be at least a, a county level micro kind of decision here. Certainly, there could have been a way that it, it could have gone. But if you look at the situations, particularly in the Sun Belt, Texas, Florida, Arizona, and increasingly in the northern tier of the country, Idaho is has some runaway numbers in terms of COVID cases as well. There can be a counter argument that a statewide ban is the smartest and most effective health mitigation tool. And one under utilized or, or underexplored, I think, aspect of this is that I think it was really tough for retailers who at times had to enforce a mask mandate where it was different in one community versus the other. And you had even before cities had acted, some major retailers had decided, such as Costco, that you needed a mask. Others didn't. And that causes a lot of consternation in an already really fraught and fragile economic environment. So the degree that it then takes it out of their hands is probably welcomed by many Minnesota businesses who are really on the precipice right now. Yeah, I feel for anybody on a retail level who has to try to enforce this especially with a belligerent customer or something like that. You you certainly aren't, when you're making 15 bucks an hour, you shouldn't have to be dealing with that sort of nonsense, that's for sure. That's John Rash. Scott Gillespie, I want to ask you about uh, the policing changes, the future of policing, the reform bill uh, that came out of the legislature. Uh, 16 or so different uh, provisions inside that bill. Many are things the editorial board has been advocating for. But activists on the other side have said, look, this really doesn't change that much. What's your take? Does does this change uh, anything significant uh, in terms of policing? Uh, you know, I, I can see what the what the activists are saying. Some of the uh, steps taken under this legislation are more. Uh, after the fact analysis and investigation instead of steps that are actually going to prevent deadly force incidents. And I think, I think the activists are, you know, to some extent very rightly frustrated by that. For example, setting up a database to record every deadly force incident. Uh, it's probably smart. And over time you can look at trends and maybe you find some things there, but obviously what you'd really like to have is no database that includes any deadly force uh, incidents, if at all possible. Now, some, I guess, sadly can't be avoided. Uh, the one one thing that the editorial board focused on today that I do think is really potentially fairly significant is the role of arbitration. And police chiefs around Minnesota have complained for really for decades, about how difficult it is for them to rid their departments of problem officers. And part of the reason they've, they've blamed the arbitration system. And the arbitration system had been set up to, to some extent, uh, uh, benefit arbitrators who kind of went 50-50, who split their decisions. And they, they would get uh, their jobs, they're rehired and do these arbitrations if they kept that kind of record. As you seem fair. Yeah, right. And they've now set up a new rotating panel of arbitrators that's designed to avoid that. And uh, at least our first glance at that language, we think that's pretty promising. 
So, you know, that could be over time uh, a fairly major step. Um, but, but like yeah, you say, I, that uh, that's a that's uh, largely well, it could be a before the fact type thing, I suppose, if you intervene against an officer who has uh, proclivities that might lead him down this road. Right. And, you know, and there certainly have been cases where some of the uh, uh, around the country and, and in Minnesota where, where some of these officers have been uh, had track records and where uh, chiefs have, have tried to to move to get them off the force. And then and then they've been involved in things that are become more serious. So, uh, yeah, I, but I think that that's a fairly significant change. All right. Our uh, Linda's construction time right now is one forty nine. If you have hail damage, it's time to call Linda's Construction for a free damage check and estimate. We'll continue our conversation uh, about politics, playing politics with John Rash and Scott Gillespie and get their thoughts on President Trump taking the stage again. Uh, the premiere episode of President Trump, season premiere of President Trump talking about COVID-19, uh, playing politics next on News Talk 830 WCCO. 154, playing politics, Jason DeRussia, John Rash, Scott Gillespie. John, I want to start with you and talk about President Donald Trump. Uh, he had said that, you know, the ratings were good. He is back on stage last night talking about coronavirus. And what did you think? Compared to his March and April appearances, it certainly was better because he seemed to recognize and reckon with the severity of the pandemic. He finally talked a bit about wearing a mask, but he repeated many of the same mistakes in terms of having it all about him, about it being overly political and potentially not only just insulting, but dangerous for Asian Americans by continually referring to it as the China virus. And it's been well documented that many Americans of Asian descent have faced open discrimination because of the way that it's been characterized by the president and some of his supporters. And most profoundly, it was the president speaking and not his health experts. Dr. Anthony Fauci made it clear that he had not been invited. And President Trump himself said, almost in a metaphor, that Dr. Burks is is in back behind us. And, you know, instead of being out front, which is where she and Dr. Fauci and other people who truly understand, you know, from a medical perspective, what is happening and what should be happening in America's medication response should have been put forward. So whether he comes out there again today and whether it's just solo remains to be seen, but better than before, but not nearly what it should be to lead the country out of this crisis. Scott Gillespie, do you think anyone... Uh, really cares if the medical experts are out there or is this just something? I mean, it's not like if Fauci and Burks are up there, all of the people who disagree with the president are, are going to change their mind. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like everybody's kind of lining up in whatever side they're on. I, I think you're you're correct, Jason. I look to these briefings for some information, some factual uh uh, information that tells us what the federal strategy is. And that's where I thought, again, yesterday, and we saw this before when the president was doing these briefings, you just don't get that. We don't have one. Mm, so, he, you know, whether or not he's there, Pence, uh, Burks, or Dr. Fauci, uh, if we don't have a national strategy, 
if the states are up on their own, which is where we are today, uh, you know, these are just uh, opportunities for him to get in front of the camera and maybe get some viewers. He's bored because he can't do his rallies. And, and uh, there you have it. I kind of agree with you. I don't think anybody's mind is going to be changed unless there is something that happens that reverses the, the numbers and the growth of the, uh, of the uh, disease. Yeah. All right. We only have 30 seconds left, but with the news today that the state fair is doing a drive through food thing, John, your number one state fair food that you're going to miss by not being at the fair this year. You know, like so many Minnesotans, I love it all, but uh, it's always great to get the roasted corn um, from the stand there. It just tastes just tremendous there. All right. Untides tells me they're working on it. They're the ones who grow that corn. They're going to work on it for their retail locations, doing like a corn roast. How about you, Scott? Oh, I'm driving through for the Sweet Marthas. There's no question about it. Even if right. I have to bring my own milk, I'm, bri- I'm driving through <laughs> for the cookies. That's a true true Minnesota answer. I like it. Very I'm good. a French fries guy. I miss the French fries. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. John Rashcott, Gillespie for the Star Tribune editorial board, playing politics here on News Talk 830 WCCO.